0: Welcome to Answers May Vary. Each week we listen to your dilemmas and try to come up with workable solutions you can put into place to start improving your teaching life today. I'm Kate Harkins. And I'm Stephanie Handley. And together with you, we're three heads. This week's dilemma is something I think we can all relate to. I am so frustrated with class discussions. I want my class to be discussion-based, and I have a handful of students who contribute, but there are so many students who just sit there quietly. How do I get them to participate? I can understand this, especially as an AP teacher. Mm. I don't know how you teach AP literature without having discussion in some way, and there's always going to be those people who don't participate. And it's so frustrating. I
1: honestly don't know which is worse, like a rowdy regular level class mm-hmm. or an AP class that sits there silently. Yeah. I mean, a rowdy class is tough, but I just feel so awkward when no one will speak. And I'm like, yeah. okay, everyone, talk. What do you think? Somebody share. And yeah. you have one person who feels bad for you and says something yeah. every time. And then you think of it from your own perspective as
0: a student. And usually I felt like in English classes, I would participate. But as I've said before, I was often somebody who was either interested or not interested based on the teacher, sadly. (laughs) And there were teachers where I was just like, I'm not going to help you out. And so then, of course, then on the receiving end, you're like, how many of you are sitting there like, I'm not going to help you out.
1: (laughs) I remember so many times where I just was like, I don't feel like talking today. Mm-hmm. And I would sit there and then nobody would get the answer right. And they would super frustrate me. And finally, I'd be like, oh, fine, I'll participate. Yeah. And I, I also felt real bad, like teacher guilt, even as a high schooler, like, I'm sorry, you're uncomfortable. No one's answering <laughs> you. I know the answer. <laughs> I
0: feel like when somebody doesn't know the answer and you have that silence, that's one thing. Yes. But discussion is like, Somebody, anybody,
1: Uh say anything. And I end up being like, it's okay. I don't know the right answer. Uh There's a lot of opportunities. You don't have to have it right. I'll help you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just say words. Just try. Okay,
0: so obviously, we do have some experience with this, as we've just alluded to, (laughs) and we did come up with some strategies for addressing two things, because the dilemma is phrased in such a way that it's clear this person's looking at one particular side of the problem. But there's really kind of two problems here. Mm -hmm. Lots of people who aren't participating, and a few people Who are
1: dominating? Dominating. Dominating. And
0: a lot of times that dominating is happening because they're the only ones who want to participate. But also, and I think we sometimes forget this, is that for most of these students, they have years of experience with one another. And so they.
1: Especially when they're AP and they move as a pack.
0: And so they start to think, oh, X, Y, and Z, they're the experts in Uh this subject matter. So anything they say is good. Anything I say is bad or wrong or whatever. And part of you wants to be like, "Um, X and Y, they're like usually right. Z has no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> so don't feel like you can't talk.
1: We always tried really hard not to say that, but there were times. No, no, I especially, say that like in your head. No, but like as, there were times, especially during the pandemic, when we mm-hmm. were doing group discussion boards where we did actually say that a couple times to yeah. students where it was like, this is becoming a problem that yeah. you all are letting this person Dominate, they're right. They're almost always wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. be confident, please. <laughs> yeah.
0: Especially during the pandemic. That was a really good life lesson that I think those students learned. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that at the time they did not feel good learning it. But to trust the fact that sometimes they're going to have something good to say. yeah. And because it's not all the time doesn't mean you don't ever speak up. Yes, And I think that's a really hard
1: lesson to learn as a student and in life in general. Yeah, maybe you don't always get it right, but Mm -hmm. sometimes you are the one who saw something no one else saw. Yeah.
0: All right. So let's get started with our suggestions before you open up for a full class discussion, because I think that's sort of what everybody wants to achieve. Certainly what we imagine as we're preparing (laughs) to become teachers is giving students some time to discuss with a partner. And this is something that we really started to lean heavily on in AP, the more feedback we got from students who were lacking that confidence by giving them the opportunity to workshop or brainstorm Mm -hmm. with the people they were sitting with, they could get some confidence so that then they would feel more comfortable Mm -hmm. speaking
1: up in class. Also, if they really didn't have something to say, it either allowed them to say, well, we talked about Mm -hmm. or even to say so-and-so sitting next to me said this really important thing. And so even those kids who it wasn't that they just needed the confidence of workshopping it, like they literally had nothing to say after giving them that time, they did have some ideas. There is no excuse for somebody saying I didn't do the assignment. Right. I didn't do the
0: reading. Whatever. Okay, but you were sitting there listening. Did, so did someone say something? It's <laughs> your job to report out on what, <laughs> what the other people who did their work
1: said. I hope you were. Hope you were paying attention to that. I also found it really valuable because I would. Well, let's be real. There were days where I would use the few minutes to get some work done, but yeah. um. <laughs> Uh, on my better ideal days, um, I think I would use the time to kind of circulate. And I mean, of course, yes, you do it for classroom management reasons, make Mm -hmm. sure they're talking, but it As I eavesdropped on their conversations, I think, one, if I heard a group going in the wrong direction, it was helpful to be able to step in and course correct, not in front of the whole class, Mm -hmm. so that then they could share in front of the whole class with more confidence. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes I would overhear things that I'm like, that's a really good insight, and it's a person who doesn't really raise their hand, but it would give me a little bit of a cue or whatever of Mm -hmm. people that I could call on Mm -hmm. when we were ready to share that I knew would move the direction in the way I wanted it to go or just maybe an insight I didn't think about. Mm -hmm. Another thing you can do is take class discussion
0: into consideration when creating your seating chart. Now, I would say use this if class discussion is something you do regularly, because there are times where like this isn't going to result in the ideal classroom seating chart for all the other reasons. (laughs) So if it's a standards level class and you just once in a while, then don't tailor your seating chart. (laughs) But in an AP or an honors class or in any class where you're going to have them working in partners Mm -hmm. or in triads or small groups frequently, take into consideration who you have and separate out Mm-hmm. you're really good thinkers. Separate out your eager to participate first. <laughs> Separate out your quiet students. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes you're going to want to put your quiet students together to make one of them have to do the talking, but use that as a way of organizing your students so that maybe you have a variety of personality types yeah. together that Are going to work together to produce good results for classroom discussion.
1: Yeah, when I was doing my standard level seating charts, it was based on how do I not create any talking off to the side, Um, but when minimizing. Yeah, but when I was doing my AP seating charts, because there tended to be less classroom management issues, Mm -hmm. it was always more okay. What's going to make for a more productive discussion, and it. On the like, I guess not negative side, but the correcting issues side, um, I think I would do some of what Kate said. Sometimes I'd see students that I'm like, OK, well, they're not going to talk to each other and I yeah. wouldn't keep them there. Or I'd see a student that was like a really hard worker that maybe would benefit from pairing with someone who did a good job. And mm-hmm. so it was like a helping them get a little bit of a step up or mm-hmm. get pushed to be stronger. Another time I would just it was almost like an experiment where mm-hmm. I would be like, I think it'd be really interesting to see what these two come up with if I sit them next to each other. And so it could be a way to correct problems, but it can also be a way just to see what happens and, Mm -hmm. and perhaps even create a situation where you're going to get better comments than you would otherwise. Yeah. You're sort of stacking the deck, I guess. Yeah. Kind of related to that. If you're assigning student groups be really intentional about assigning them in a way that forces non-participators to participate. The time we most intentionally did this was during the pandemic when we were doing a lot of online discussion boards. And we started creating groups where all of the non-participators were in the same group because either they're going to be forced to then participate or or they're at least going to get the grade they deserve for not Mm -hmm. participating because they can't just coast on the backs of the strong student in the group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was very interesting to see how
0: the students responded to it, not in the non-participant group, but in the other groups where they were like, everybody is participating. Or you would have students that had previously participated, and then they sort of became the Uh non-participants. And it was very interesting to see those like social dynamics
1: play out. If you have a student who regularly doesn't participate because they don't keep up with the reading or because they struggle with the content, try to draw them in on non-text-based questions. I mean... Yes, in an ideal world, they're doing the reading and we're finding ways to encourage them to do the reading. Sometimes for AP, there'd be an exercise at the beginning of their assignment where they had to just read a sentence and say what like figurative language it was an example of. And I would always try to ask students that I knew would have nothing to say later mm-hmm. to answer one of those because I wanted them to participate and mm-hmm. to have something meaningful to say, even though I knew I couldn't count on them to be prepared for class, I could count on them to try in the moment at something.
0: Yeah. Another thing that you can do is use a randomizer to call on at least a few students before opening up the discussion to the rest of the class. And this is something that I think I was more
1: (laughs) stringent about. I was going to say Kate was way better about (laughs) this than I was. And so I would
0: have those eager students who want to be the first to respond You're going to have to hold on to that thought because I really did want to encourage more participation and I did want to not always let the leaders lead. And so they definitely had an opportunity to talk because I would open it to everybody after I had my first two participate. But I just felt like it was really important to show that I was sending the message that we all have something to say and that those who don't have something to say on the regular, we need to know you're not participating in this community. And because in more cases than not, the AP classes were smaller. If you have a class of 20 students and five of them don't participate, you're killing your discussion. And so I think there needs to be that sort of like very subtle peer pressure, Mm -hmm. um, because at the school we worked at anyway, it was a rare case where you had a student call out another student about not doing something or not participating. It was just that gentle reminder of, Hey, you just don't get to sit in the back and say nothing and I didn't do my work or whatever. Like we all need to
1: participate here. Like I said, Kate always did a better job at this than I did. I would often just get caught up in the naturalness of the Mm -hmm. discussion. But it also is an equity. Thing, even if you are, I mean, especially if you are, and this was our next suggestion, using some sort of participation points system, um, because if it is something that's being held accountable for a grade, some of them do need that point push to be called on or they will never participate. And so by calling on a few students before opening it up, you're ensuring that everybody gets at least one participation point this week. Even if then my (laughs) over-participators run with the show, at least everyone has had an opportunity to get into the mix. Yeah. And when you're using that, System of,
0: I guess, forced participation. (laughs) It is because there's a grade attached to it, you you can't have a student or a parent say, Well, you never called mm-hmm. on me or I raised my hand all the time and you just didn't pick on me. Yeah. It's like, well, no, that's not how it works
1: in here. Yeah. <laughs> and I think using that system since I kind of led into it also can be helpful for what Kate was talking about earlier about creating that classroom culture because mm-hmm. I was always very aware of the need of all of them to get points. And so, you know, I would often remind them like, hey, guys, remember, everybody needs X number of points Mm -hmm. by the end of the week to encourage them to speak. But I think it's another way to hold them accountable for their participation in the community. Like Kate was saying, there's that subtle peer pressure. But there's also that like if you're going to choose not to participate you need to know that is going to affect your grade in the class. And I think that that is important as well. And part of that sometimes
0: can be pulling the student aside and saying, you know, and I know you need to participate in this class and you're choosing not to participate. So what's going on? Is there something that I can do to make this better for you? Is there, you know, some way that we can sort of figure out, something between the two of us Mm -hmm. that will enable you to get your points or enable you to participate in the class in a way that pushes you, but pushes you in a way that's appropriate for where you're at in terms of your level of comfort.
1: Those conversations were really effective, I -hmm. found, especially with shy students who maybe wanted to do well in the class, Mm -hmm. but were just very either shy or lacking in self-confidence. And and it worked so well for some of them to say, hey, can I tell you a question I want to answer? Or, mm-hmm. hey, can you call on me first so that nobody says my answer before I can say it? Or mm-hmm. even like, Warn me when you're going to call on me so I have a heads up and just mm-hmm. working those little between you and me systems out, mm-hmm. I think, can be really helpful in giving them the confidence they need to then participate more regularly. Yeah. And I think you
0: notice as a teacher, once the students recognize what your system is like, which doesn't take very long, then you have and I had this experience both in standard level classes and AP level classes where I would then have students say to me, can I answer Mm -hmm. this question? And you know, as a teacher, (laughs) whether that's your talker wanting to talk or a student who's like, this is where I feel confident. Mm -hmm. Can I speak? And then, of course, you make those accommodations. So it's not like this hard and fast system of you can't ever ever stray from it. But I do think it helps you to manage what's going on in the discussion. And I think for shy students or students who lack confidence or students who've sort of just internalized, well, I don't know anything and they know everything because that's always how it comes uh-huh. from the students. Well, I don't know anything. Well, no, I don't think that's yes. the case. <laughs> or I feel so dumb in yes. here. Everybody else is so much smarter yes. than me. Yes. yes, But I think that it helps to alleviate that pressure Mm -hmm. that comes from the unknown of classroom discussions. Because I think that's where a lot of discomfort comes Mm -hmm. for students is that I don't know how this is going to go or what this is going to look like. And maybe because in an English class, a classroom discussion looks different Mm -hmm. than it does in a lot of other classes.
1: Yeah. Our last suggestion, I mean, at first seems obvious, or you've heard it a million times, but we do have a, a qualifier that makes it unique. <laughs> um, but the more you're building relationships with your students, obviously, the more they're going to feel comfortable with you, the more safe they will feel to participate. But as a side note, like Knowing them as people gives you a better idea of when they might be an expert in the conversation and you can draw them in just based on their own expertise. We would teach fences and there's a lot of baseball slang in there. And so I would be like, hey, you're on the baseball team. Can you explain to everyone what this term means? And it just kind of gives you another way to access those little openings to, to mm-hmm. draw in students who might not be inclined to speak otherwise. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so
0: much for joining us. We hope something we said resonated with you, that you have something you can put to work in your classroom and try out during your next class discussion. As always, answers, they do vary.
1: (laughs) Not even they, they do.
0: (laughs) So if you have a point of view or an idea we did not discuss here, I'm sure that you do, then be sure to email us at hello at threeheads.works or DM us on Instagram, threeheads.works to let us know. If you have a dilemma you'd like to talk to us about or you'd like to hear us talk about, be sure to email us at hello at threeheads.works. If you wanna be notified of our next upload, be sure to follow us. Thanks so much. Chat soon. Bye. Bye.